0: Good morning. So, one of my favorite things that has encouraged me in my love for God's Word and my walk with the Lord has been when I see new ways in which the Old Testament is. Connected to the New Testament, which I mean, that sounds like, of course, they're in the same Bible together, right? Um, but the ways in which you see God's salvation plan playing out and it's one story all connected, and things that are happening in the Old Testament are pointing to things that happened in the New Testament, right? Uh, I can th- um, probably in my early 20s, I think, was when the Lord just helped me to see. A lot of that in a new way and it just like catapulted me into a different place of just an excitement about God's Word and um, increasing my faith increasing my confidence in his word so I love it when I discover things like that Um, even things like when uh, some people will say oh well it seems like in the Old Testament all God cares about is uh, Israel He doesn't care about the other nations and things like that. And it's like, well, no, uh, when Jonah got sent to Nineveh, I mean, the Lord cared about all these people that were not a part of Israel. And he wanted to see, he wanted to give them mercy, right? And give them forgiveness and wanted to see them come to know him. So God has been the same even in the Old Testament as he has been in the New Testament. Uh, So things like that that just give me great confidence in his word. Another thing that has uh, been helpful to me is seeing uh, something in the Old Testament called uh, types of Christ or shadows of Christ. And uh, it's essentially a type of Christ is an event, a person, or a statement, a verse, or something that uh, is kind of a prefigure that points to the fulfillment of Christ in the New Testament. So it's something that points ahead to him. So Moses... You could say is a type of christ because he is a mediator between the people and god the same way that jesus is our mediator between us and the lord uh, jonah is a type of christ and actually jesus references him specifically you're like wait a second jonah had a really bad attitude at the end um that's true But the the part that Jesus references is the fact that Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three days, and so Jesus likens that to the fact that he's going to be in the tomb for three days. So you see that in Matthew 12, 40. Uh, Also, uh, the ark is kind of a type of Christ. So Noah and the ark. uh, Why is that? Well, because the ark protects Noah and his family through God's judgment, The same way that when we are in Christ, Christ protects us through God's judgment. So looking for these types of Christ, I want to encourage you, get in the Old Testament more often. First of all, it's two-thirds of the Bible, right? Two-thirds. And there's just awesome things that point ahead that are going to build your confidence and your excitement about God's Word. So I encourage you to do that. Now, why do I talk about types of Christ? Well, because Joseph has been considered a major type of Christ. And we've been spending a lot of time in that story with Jacob and, and now with Joseph. And he's considered a type of Christ uh, for several reasons. Uh, one, think about this, he's, been, he's mistreated and persecuted. But he's steadfast under that temptation. So even being falsely accused by Potiphar's wife, he's steadfast under that. Uh, he is sent down into a prison when he didn't deserve it so in a similar way he he receives a punishment that he didn't deserve and uh, joseph is lifted up from that punishment into a position where he is elevated and exalted for the saving of many the same way that jesus is lifted up he rises from the dead and he saves many right and, uh, like in our passage today, Joseph forgives people who have wronged him. He forgives many, his, his brothers. So that's why Joseph is considered a type of Christ. Let me pray for us, and then we'll get into the passage. Lord Jesus, uh, this is your word. You are a great God and Savior. We thank you for your grace and mercy in bringing us here today. Lord, I pray you would give us great joy in worshiping you. And Lord, give us great joy in your word. Lord, I pray that you would make us a little more like you this morning uh, so that we may love you more and love others more. Holy Spirit, please do that. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. So we're going to break... I keep thinking I'm talking into this, but I'm not. Um, uh, We're going to break this passage up into four things, okay? Um, It's going to be two burials and two reminders. First of all, the two burials. These are really important for future hope. So in verses... One through thirteen, Jacob's burial—it's a big deal. I mean, there's a lot of people involved. There's a lot of emphasis. On, there's a lot of mourning. There's a lot of weeping. This is a big deal. And the fact that it's a big deal—yes, at some level—it points to how uh, they would celebrate or mourn the death of someone, right? Uh, and that they obviously had different customs than what we did than what we do. Um, but It also points to the significance of Joseph, first of all. Like, Joseph, this is the guy. Like, think about the the Egyptians who take part in this. Like, this is the guy. This is his family. This is the guy who saved our nation. This is the guy who saved my family. You know, like, would we be here if not for Joseph? Joseph. And then the significance of Jacob, this is the the father of the guy who saved our nation, right? And we also see that, man, this man is blessed. Like he's been given great wealth. He's been, uh, he has a huge family. I mean, what a picture of blessing. Like there's something that he is receiving from the Lord that is just amazing. So there's a sense of like, This is a big deal because of all those things. And Jacob wanting to be buried uh, back in the promised land is pointing to that future blessing of the promised land. And so you just think about the heart posture of Jacob. God is going to keep his promise. So I want to be buried according to that promise. He's going to keep it. So I want to be buried according to that. And then even for the rest of the family and wanting to honor that. We are going to bury our father according to that promise. We believe it's going to happen. Then Joseph's burial, it points ahead to the exodus, doesn't it? Because he says, uh, God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones from here. So he knows that there's going to be a time when the people of God are going to leave this area and go into the promised land. And so he knows, he has total faith in God that this is going to happen and you're going to take my bones with you because I want to go to that place where you're going. I want my bones to go there. So in Exodus 13, 19, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him For Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. And then in Joshua 24, 32, As for the bones of Joseph, which the people of Israel brought up from Egypt, they buried them at Shechem in the piece of land that Jacob bought from the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for a hundred pieces of money. It became an inheritance of the descendants of Joseph. So both burials point to faith in the Lord in fulfilling His promise no matter what forces or circumstances may come up. And we have the privilege of knowing what forces and circumstances come up, right, in the next 400 years. Tremendous ones that would seem like there is no chance that the Israelites are going to get to go and be in this promised land. No chance. But we know that it happens because God is going to keep his promises. Okay, so the two burials are significant. All right, two reminders. First one, uh, and really these two reminders are contained, so it's kind of like we looked at the, the burial in the first section of the passage, and then we looked at Joseph's burial in the, in the last part. And now we're looking at this passage mostly uh, in verses 15 through 21. So first reminder that we're, we're given in this part, God is a forgiving, comforting, and kind God. How do we know that? Well, we see it displayed in lots of places of Scripture, But here we see it displayed in someone who knows this God. We see it in Joseph. So when the brothers come to him and they say, please forgive the transgression of your, uh, this is verse 17, please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now please forgive the trans- transgression of the servants of God, of the God of your father. And then Joseph wept when they spoke to him. So he is moved to compassion and forgiveness and them coming to him. Because remember, they're afraid. Like Joseph, or Jacob dies and then they think, okay, circumstances have changed. Even though, yes, he showed us forgiveness in the past, There's this key, like, linchpin in our family that is gone, and so maybe that linchpin was holding together Joseph's forgiveness for us. And so once that's gone, are we still forgiven? Is he still okay with us? but we see that Joseph's response is the same as what it was before when, his brother, when he revealed himself to his brothers. He was weeping. He was ready to go to them and embrace them. He was ready for that. Something like this is only possible if we know the God who is like this the one true God. And we often forget that God is like this. Even though we have lots of examples in Scripture, even though we've seen his grace and his mercy to us in the past, we've seen his forgiveness, we know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, so we know that we've been forgiven in the the biggest way, and yet we forget There's some new circumstance that may come up that kind of like throws a wrench in things that it seems like okay well can I still be as close to God as what I was or maybe there's a kind of a season of sin that we're in where we're really struggling with something and so because of that new piece that's in the equation then we forget what we know about God, what we've experienced about God already. And that causes us to then want to be away from him. Sometimes that makes us run to him, right? But sometimes we we believe a lie as if he's not going to forgive us the same way. But one of the things that's most comforting to me is that when God says things like he does, like when we were looking at the words of forgiveness this morning, you know, for Romans eight thirty-eight through 39, for I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That covers everything things present, things to come, everything, everything. So those reminders of there is nothing, when we are in Christ, there is nothing that can ever change our standing before God, our justification and our closeness with God, because Jesus is the one who brings that closeness to us. There's nothing that can separate us from that. And then also think about our standing before God Before we came to know Jesus, the scriptures say that we did not seek after God. We were enemies of God. There's this one um, children's Bible storybook that we read to our kids. Uh, It was called the Big Picture Bible Storybook. I think it was by David Helm. Um, Big, huge pictures. And one of the things that in that, that Bible it communicates about our heart posture before God before we come to know Jesus is everybody is like, they kind of picture people looking up at God and like shaking their fists at him. And that's like our heart posture before we know Jesus, before the Holy Spirit changes us. It's like we're just shaking our fist at God. We're enemies of God. We don't seek after him. No one does good. No, not one. So we're shaking our fists at God. And so that's why it's an amazing thing that the Lord would even like bless us with the power of the Holy Spirit to change our heart posture to where then in the book, when people's heart postures change, they go from shaking their fists to having their arms out before God and thanking him and praising him. So when you think about what, our, what the scriptures say about our heart posture, and if you're someone who knows what you were like, like maybe you didn't grow up just knowing Jesus right away, like as far back as you can remember. And that's a great grace of God too, right? Sometimes we wish that we had that, that story of like, oh man, I wish I just would have been like so against God. And then I came to know Christ. No, that it's a great grace that we knew him all the way along maybe. But if you know what your heart was like before and how you weren't seeking after the Lord, And then he saved you anyways and he knew that when he went to the cross that you would have that fist up in the air when he he knew that but he still died for you he still wanted you to be a part of his family so when you remind yourself of that when we when we look to that when we look to the scriptures for those reminders that should tell us that we're forgiven still he already forgave us for all those things before We're still right with him. So even with the new piece of circumstance that may come in, the new sin season that we may have where we're struggling with something, we're still good with the Lord because of Jesus. So we don't want to forget like Joseph's brothers forgot. We also forget when we've sinned against a brother or sister in Christ. We can also forget that there's someone who knows a good and forgiving God. And so then we're afraid to go to them maybe. We're afraid to ask for forgiveness. We're afraid to have that hard conversation. And we forget that the Holy Spirit has worked in that person. And it may not still, it may still be difficult, but it's like then we're not trusting even what the Holy Spirit could do in going to them and asking for forgiveness. So we we forget that there's The people, maybe, that we wrong at times, we forget that they know the God who is forgiving and compassionate and kind. We forget that. But there should be a confidence in which we step forward with people that the Holy Spirit is with us and working in us. And... Uh, kind of back to our the original point of uh, we forget who God is. We can forget how he's treated us and how kind and compassionate he's been with us. And when we do forget that, then a lot of times we're not so quick to forgive, are we? We hold on to things longer than we should because we've forgotten how God has treated us. So we need to keep reminding ourselves of that. God is forgiving, comforting And kind. And those words are so sweet, right? That Joseph says to his brothers that that really affirm that. He says, Do not fear. Think about the Lord saying this to us Do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. What a sweet picture. Do not fear. And he goes as far as to say, I will provide for you and your little ones. And your little ones. And he comforted them and he spoke kindly to them. So the Lord is a forgiving, comforting, and kind God. Last reminder. As for you, this is uh, in verse 19. Here's, Here's what he says. But Joseph said to them, do not fear, for am I... In the place of God, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. This is a, an amazing, sweeping statement, isn't it, that can get applied to all of life. Because we have to ask ourselves, do we believe the way Joseph believes this? Do we believe that? Because there's a lot of wrong that's happened to us. There's a lot of hard things that have happened to us. And we know that there's, I mean, if we're real with ourselves, right? We know that there's a lot more stuff that's going to happen in life. So do we believe like Joseph believes this? I mean, essentially what he is doing, he's kind of giving the precursor to Romans eight twenty eight, which I know probably a lot of us have memorized and, and love. I'll start in verse 26 of Romans 8. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. and those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. So in the middle, I, I went 26 through 30 there. So right in the middle is Romans eight twenty-eight, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together. Not some things, not a few things, not things every once in a while. All things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. That's what Joseph is saying here. He's prophesying about Romans 8 28. (laughs) That's what he's saying. You meant this for evil. You meant this for evil. But God, like you're down here working things out in your little evil plan, but God is up here working everything out in his plan. Even your sinful, evil intentions down here. That is an amazing picture. God is up here. They're all, you know, kind of working down here. His plan is working out overall. So do we believe that in all things God is working like that? That all things are in the hands of God. Even that great tension that we feel, God's sovereignty and man's responsibility. It's a great tension. Man is responsible for his sin, 100% responsible, and God is sovereign over all things. And God is not the author of sin. It's a great hard tension, isn't it? But there are many tensions in Scripture that are true, and this is one of them. I mean, every, sorry, every tension in Scripture is true. I don't know why I keep talking to this. Every tension in Scripture is true. So, do we believe that, even in the hard circumstances of life and the sin that others do and the sin that you do? Do we believe that about ourselves and what's going on around us? So, two examples in in my life. One is, and this is one where I've seen a lot of what's come from it already. So, when I was in elementary school and my, this was like in third grade, and my mom uh, moved out to Lake Tahoe and I had, my parents had been divorced for a while uh, and I had to move out there with her. And I did not want to do that. I did not want to leave my family. I did not want to leave my friends. And so that was really hard for me. And I didn't like it. And there was a lot of hard stuff that happened in the midst of that. But just a couple of things that came from it, the, the church that the Lord put me and my mom there in while we were there, it's it's like the lord gave me this great love in that church for worshiping the lord with his people even as a, as a younger guy like in junior high it was like i just remember being excited to go worship the lord and being there with people and then that was the church too where even though i never really doubted the gospel before that was the church where i like the lord used people in that church to help me see My need for Christ. My need for the gospel. That's just two things that came from that hard thing. Two huge things for my life. So the Lord was working in the midst of hard to bring about at least just those two really awesome things that have been with me ever since. Now, one that I'm still kind of waiting on and seeing what the Lord's going to do. Although I have seen some significant things in this. About four years ago, there were several big things kind of going on in my life uh, where I kept praying for God's best. Like I knew what I was praying, I had great godly desires and wanting to see outcomes in different things. I had a family member who was, um, their, their marriage was struggling and. I was working with them on that and I knew that my desire for them to be, to to reconcile their marriage, I knew that that was a good desire. And I knew I was praying for good things and I knew the things that I was trying to encourage them with were good things. And I was praying almost more than anything I've ever prayed for. And they still got divorced. And there have been some significant things that have happened since then. There are great gifts from the Lord. But there was that peace that was going on, and then there was a couple other things where I just felt like I was praying for, for God's best with great godly desires. And none of them were really happening, like, according to those things. So you can imagine Joseph Doing the same thing in the midst of like all the circumstances that are happening to him. And he just keeps getting shot down over and over and over and over and over again. But that in the end, God is working something out that is beyond our reckoning. We can't even see it. But that it's true. That he's working out all these hard, all this sin. He's working it out for his good purposes. Specifically, too, it says for his people. What an amazing comfort for his people. So if you are one of God's children, he's working things out for you and your goodness. One of my favorite, uh, I'll just close with this, one of my favorite uh, pictures that my children have drawn in their lives, I I tried to find it, couldn't find it. Um, I still will want to try to find it. Um, Amara, when she was little, uh, she just drew this very simple picture. It was just a little hill with three crosses on it and then Nobody prompted her to write this, but in her little child writing, she writes above the picture of the three crosses, God is good. And you just think about that. Like, Jesus, like, that picture is of Jesus being crucified. One of the, like, the, the worst thing that's ever happened in the world The person who deserved it least ends up getting it on behalf of everybody who deserves it. The most heinous, unjust thing that's ever happened. But God is good. He worked that out, that most heinous and unjust thing that the world has ever known, for his good, for the greatest good ever known. The greatest, most heinous thing for the greatest good ever known. That's what the gospel is, right? And so Joseph and his family, they could look back on the same thing terrible stuff that were done to him to bring about what they knew probably at that time as the greatest good that they had known. And so the Lord is doing the same thing right now in us for his glory in our goodness. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray uh, that as we go uh, to your table, that uh, we would be reminded of these things. Lord, help us to see how kind and compassionate and forgiving you are towards us. And help us to love you more, to have more joy in you. And Lord, help us to love others better because we are reminded of how great you are and how patient you are and gracious. We need reminders, Holy Spirit. Please keep reminding us and drive us to new uh, life habits, uh, life desires, Uh, Drive us to experiences that are going to keep reminding us of that. Help us to get in your word more often, Lord Jesus. Help us to put your word in front of us more and more. Help us to preach the gospel to ourselves daily and to love to tell other people about you. We ask these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.